0: welcome to the rated rabbi sports card podcast where sports culture and pop culture meet the 1984 all-star game i am your host rabbi david spinrad welcome to episode 11 the hebrew hammer but before we get to today's subject a little housekeeping first number one My staff brought it to my attention that at the beginning of episode 10, last episode, episode 10, introducing the National League part three, I made mention of Ozzie Smith winning his fourth consecutive gold glove and them talking about it during the opening of the 1984 All-Star Game broadcast. And I said I was going to come back to it towards the end of the episode, and I never did. And I am here to right that wrong. Ozzie Smith would go on to win 13 consecutive gold gloves. To me, the single greatest shortstop I have ever seen with my own two eyes. Absolutely, there were better offensive, way better offensive players than Ozzie Smith. But if you saw Ozzie, you would agree. Nobody was better with a glove. Nobody had better range. Nobody made more incredible acrobatic plays than the Wizard. Mm. That's why he's my all-time starting shortstop on the all-time rated rabbi baseball team. He is going to bat eighth, but oh my God, is he going to save some runs going deep in the hole? Anyway, Ozzy runs that gold glove streak to 13 consecutive. Jay Bell. The Pittsburgh Pirates ends it in 1993, winning his one and only Gold Glove. But do you know who won the Gold Glove before it was Ozzy? Before Ozzy won his first in 1979, if you guess the 1978 National League shortstop Gold Glove winner. Was this guy, none other than Davy Concepcion, shown on his 78? You'd be absolutely right. God, I love that Cincinnati Reds jersey. It's just that that you cannot have a more Cincinnati Reds jersey than the double-knit pullover with the Cincinnati across the front. Ah, I love that card. Davy Concepcion, the great Venezuelan winner of the gold glove. at short in 1978. A little bit of housekeeping detail, number two, super listener, West Coast Jewish Chris writes in, loved, loved, loved the deep dive into the magnificence of Rod Carew's red headband. But Rabbi, I was a little surprised that during the last episode, you didn't mention anything about Rodney Klein's conversion to Judaism. Well, right, you are, Chris. I didn't, and uh, I went back and double checked. And um, listen, I have a confession to make, and I'm as surprised as you to say this: Rod Carew, not Jewish. You know, all my life I thought Rodney Rodney Klein he converted. And I know that he was married to to his wife, first wife Marilyn, for a long time. She was Jewish. But like Adam Sandler said, O.J. Simpson, not a Jew, but guess who is? Hall of Famer, Arad Carew, he converted. I, like Sandler, like you, thought Carew was Jewish, but it turns out Carew actually never converted. Quick word on conversion. So Judaism is both a a religion and a people. So there's a religious conversion that involves uh, taking on religious practices, religious responsibilities, religious commitments. And there is uh, the peoplehood part, which I think is best understood as um, kind of like a naturalization. Someone who immigrates and becomes a citizen, probably the best way to understand the peoplehood part is is this naturalization as an analogy. So you become uh, you take on the religion and you take on the, the peoplehood. And uh, always among the Jewish people, there are always people who who are, let's say, Jewish adjacent. People who uh, actually all the way back in the time of the Bible and the days of the Torah, there are people who were not Jewish but would, would live among the Jewish people. And still to this day, a uh, huge number of families in North America are multi-faith families. Um, lots of folks in our congregation are, of course, and and really for all intents and purposes, uh, we're their spiritual community, even if they're not Jewish, it's we're their, their spiritual home. So, so Rod Carew was very much like this during his marriage to Marilyn. They were longtime members of Temple Beth Shalom in Santa Ana in Orange County, all those years with the angels. And Carew is quoted as saying, you know, that he really embraced uh Jewish heritage and Jewish traditions. He went to many, many bar and bat mitzvahs and Passover seders and high holidays and Hanukkah, but he actually never converted. Carew was born in Panama and raised in New York, and, and because of his upbringing, Carew is quoted as saying that he could really relate to the struggles of the Jewish people, but he did not, and he does not, consider himself Jewish. He considers himself a Christian and a Panamanian. And as a beautiful quote in a in an autobiography he wrote not long ago called One Tough Out. Carew writes, A prayer to God is a prayer to God. Whether it's said in a synagogue or in a yarmulke or bareheaded in a church, to which I say, Rodney, Klein, Amen, the Amen, one God, one mountain lots of paths up that mountain, but they all strive to reach the same thing, which I believe is a life of meaning. Moving on to today's subject, the Hebrew hammer, A.L. Honorary Captain Hank Greenberg. Greenberg has announced trots onto the field. He's in his mid-60s. Unfortunately, he dies, you know, by today's standards kind of young he only dies uh, i think he dies at 67 68 just a, a few years from this game and i have to say there's a moment of it's like a little dissonant when you watch the video because um he's not wearing the old the old flannels he's uh he's wearing a a 1980s tiger road gray with the the detroit on there double knit polyester pullover so it's super cool to see Greenberg, but it's kind of like a little strange in that, in that uni. So as a Jewish kid, as a Jewish adult, I always kind of like swell with pride. One of us does good, right? One of us makes it. And it's, it's always been, it's always going to be a pretty short list of uh, Jewish sports heroes. Let's face it. You got Sandy Koufax, Sid Luckman, although I don't like I no connection to Sid Luckman. Mark Spitz, the Olympic champion, of course, modern guys, a little Ryan Braun, uh, a little Sean Green, um, and of course, Hank Greenberg. Remember in Airplane, uh, the, uh, Julie Haggerty is playing the, the stewardess and she's going down the aisle before they take off and she's passing out reading material and she comes up to the, the elderly woman who says like, ah, maybe something light. And Haggerty flips through the stuff. He goes, how about this pamphlet? Jewish sports heroes, (laughs) it's funny because it's true. But Hank was one of those heroes, is an all-time Jewish sports hero. Greenberg, a five-time all-star, a two-time AL Most Valuable Player, 1935, 1940. Interestingly, 1935, he goes 36 home runs, 168 RBIs. Hits 328 with an on base of 411 and a 628 slug, and he does not make the All Star team because of Lou Gehrig, the Iron Horse. is only one first baseman taken in the All Star game, and it's it's Gehrig. But man, what a career Greenberg hack. 1937 drives in 184 runs, still number three all-time for a single season. And remember, he did that in 154 games. 1938, same thing, 58 home runs. All the while balancing and dealing with what it meant to be Jewish in America in the 1930s. So we're going to put our focus actually on just one single season right now. It's it's 1934. Detroit is in a pennant race with the New York Yankees. They're four up with 20 to go, and Russia Shana is coming. Yeah, this is a team that has not made it to the World Series since 1909. At the time, 25 years. Remember, pennant winners then went right on to the series. They hadn't won a pennant. They hadn't been in a series since 19. 19- Oh nine and Rush Shauna's coming and all Detroit and maybe all of baseball wants to know what's Hank gonna do. He is only in his second full season at the time. in a season where he'll hit 332 hit 26 home runs drive it was an RBI machine drives in hundred and thirty nine. It's just an incredible 63 doubles on the season. Tigers have been slumping. Greenberg himself says he's really the only player who's who's hot at the plate when he has this decision to make. Should he play and honor his team and his profession in the sport? Or should he sit on Rosh Hashanah and honor his people and the Jewish tradition? So Greenberg is born 1911. In Greenwich Village, when he's a kid, he moves up to the Bronx in New York, which is where he was raised. He's born to two Romanian Orthodox Jews, so Eastern Europe. They're always described when you read about them as Orthodox, but I'd like to add a a little clarification. To the Greenberg family, there would only be one Judaism, only Orthodox Judaism. The idea of Reformed Judaism or even Conservative Judaism, that's that's a, a Western Europe. Innovation that really takes root here in the United States, but the Greenbergs were just religious. Uh, that's you know, for a, for maybe as a point of comparison, uh, you think about um, Muslims, right? Muslims in this country, there aren't like really they're not like reform Islam. They're religious, or they're less so. There aren't other sort of approved ways of of being religious. You're just religious, or a little less so. So. It's often described that his parents were Orthodox, and, and, and Greenberg himself is described as, as not religious. But I guarantee you, absolutely, that that's not true. Because if Greenberg were truly not religious, whether or not he should play, whether or not he should identify as a Jew, whether or not any of this would matter, it would be, it'd be totally irrelevant. Of course, Hank Greenberg was religious. He might not have been religiously, orthodoxly, scrupulously observant like the household he was raised in, but I promise you, he was grounded in the Jewish tradition. So he's holding this tension, right? And the tension is this, especially in the 1930s, but even today, right? Any kid today, me as a kid growing up, who am I and where do I fit in? And think about this. Is Greenberg and are, you know, all Jews in America, are, are, are we American Jews or Jewish Americans? In other words, is American the adjective, as in American Jews, in which Jews is the noun, or Jewish Americans, where Jewish is the adjective and American is the noun? The truth is both are true. Both are. Sometimes you might feel a little bit more one way. Sometimes you might feel a little bit more the other. But the truth is Greenberg is holding both these tensions. And Greenberg is holding these tensions, wanting to prove himself. And and it's not just an old thing, right? God, I remember being a kid. One of the ways I fit in, one of the ways I found acceptance as a Jewish kid, where there weren't a lot of Jews where I was growing up, was through sports right? Sports has this power as a a great equalizer that if you can do sports, if you can hit, you can hit, and you can shut them up. If you can run, if you can catch, if you can throw, you shut them up, you shut them up, you shut them up, right? Sports is such an equalizer that way, right? Always has been, and I reckon it always will be. So Greenberg is not It's not playing in New York, of course, where there are tons of Jews and there is Jewish culture. And and let's say it's kind of like normalized. Greenberg is playing in Detroit, Michigan. Well, yeah, absolutely. There was and is a strong Jewish community. But in the 1930s, in America writ large, there was horrible anti-Semitism. And nowhere in this country was anti-Semitism worse than in Detroit. No one had to deal with more anti-Semitism, no athlete day in and day out who said every single game he heard things from the stands, he heard things from the opposing team's dugout, some of them worse than others. There's this one line a manager said, throw a pork chop by him, he won't be able to hit that, and I can't believe how often that quote shows up in describing the anti-Semitism Greenberg face because it's it's not that funny and doesn't even make sense. And it why would it hurt anybody's feelings? Oh, I can't eat a pork chop because it's not kosher. please. But there are the other epithets, right? Jaime. His real name is Hyman, by the way. It's not Henry. Jaime, uh sheeny, which is a strange word. I could not figure out the etymology. It's it's indeterminate at this time. Uh hebe, And of course, everybody's favorite. Kaik. You don't hear that. It a very dated kike. It's like an old school anti-Semitic epithet. I did a little homework on the etymology of kike, K-I-K-E. You don't hear it much anymore. So Yiddish, which is kind of like Jewish vernacular language. It sounds more like German than Hebrew. The word for a circle, kikel, keikel is a circle. And it said, one of the explanations for kike, it says, when the immigrants came and some of them were illiterate and they wouldn't wouldn't make a cross, an X, right? An X because it looked too much like a cross when they signed their papers and like, Jesus in Europe, not good for the Jews. So they, they were just uncomfortable with it. So it said that they made a circle, a kikel, and somehow that got shortened down to kike and became this derogatory term for Jews. Do you believe it? I don't know. Does it really matter? Eh, I don't know. I was curious where that word came from because I, I never understood. So anyways, he's dealing with terrible anti-Semitism in Detroit. Think about this. The most successful industrialist at that time, or is or in Detroit, of course, was Henry Ford, Ford Motor Company, the Model T, right? Henry Ford is so big that he, he can move the needle on things. He has his own newspaper called in dearborn called the dearborn independent sounds like my dog barking up there the dearborn independent in which he has written on the front page controlling the media he says that the international jew is the world's foremost danger that that international uh uh, description describes like this this anti-Semitic trope that the Jews are some cabal somehow pulling the purse strings of the world. Interesting enough, Jews are blamed for for having all the money. And then ble- they're also blamed by like, oh, the Jews started the, the Russian Revolution. The Jews are communists. The Jews don't want anybody to have any money. They want it all shared. So, so anti-Semitism, for those maybe don't know this, anti-Semitism like, is everything we hate the Jews for and all the opposite as well. So the Jews own all the money. The Jews want to share all the money and want no one to have any money. Like, uh, pick a side. All right. Did you know that Henry Ford in his office in the Ford Motor Plant, Henry Ford had a picture of Der Fuhrer? He met Adolf Hitler and had a portrait of Adolf Hitler in his office. And did you know that Adolf Hitler? had a picture of Henry Ford in his office. He said, Ford is a man I admire tremendously. It's in the water in Detroit. Right? And who has the loudest mouthpiece of all? Catholic priest, Father Charles Coughlin, who is like an early talk radio giant. Think, think of those conservative guys who gets the huge, he gets, it goes coast to coast, but he starts in Detroit. Father. Charles Coughlin, again, blaming the Jews for everything and its opposite all the money, none of the money. He also has a, a newspaper, a press called Social Justice. In it, he prints the protocols of the elders of Zion, this completely fabricated anti Semitic screed about these elders of Zion who control the world. It's getting published. He's on the airways. He is, he is. Not good for the Jewish people. Father coglin you might not know, is also uh, behind the uh, the Christian Christian front who had a plot to overthrow America in New York City. You can look this up. This is common knowledge. He's supporting the, this front that's going to overthrow the government. Just a bad, bad dude. In the middle of this is Hank trying to decide, am I a Jewish American, am I an American Jew? It turns out he's both. Greenberg is a religious man. He's not irreligious or anti-religious. He's grounded in the tradition. He goes to talk to his rabbi. It's erroneously reported that the rabbi gave him gave him permission. I guarantee you, no rabbi that Hank Greenberg would go to talk to. Can I play my baseball game in Rosh Hashanah? Would uh, would give him the. Uh, the seal of approval it's like he came to me Rabbi Spinrad. Rabbi what do you think well it's a big game maybe you come by half of it you know like no I guarantee you no one they no one was like me right I'm a proud reform rabbi I would love for Hank to go to services I also understand right and also he had to carry on his back the expectations of the Jewish people. Right? The expectations he would go to synagogue and stand up for his people, or the expectations he would go and play for the Tigers in this pennant race and carry carry the Jewish people and make us proud. Right, In a way, it could have been lose-lose for Greenberg. So he consults a rabbi, he consults another rabbi. In the end, what Greenberg decides to do is he listens to his own conscience. He plays. He plays on Rosh Hashanah. The day before Rosh Hashanah starts, the Detroit Free Press. So not one of those anti-Semitic papers I was talking about before. If you're with me right now, you can you can see on the screen the Detroit Free Press. In a really amazing, it's 1934 on the front page. It says Lishanato vatikatevu in Hebrew letters. This is not like they went on Google and downloaded a font. This is a, this is like metal typesetting. This is old, old school. Somehow in Detroit, they came up with Hebrew letters on the front page of a major American newspaper. It still blows my mind. 1934 or 2023. Unbelievable. It says, Rosh Hashanah, L'shanah katevu. And to you, Mr. Greenberg, the Tiger fans say, L'shanah katevu, which means happy new year. Big picture of Greenberg below that Maybe they were trying to get him to play, or maybe they were just showing him some really mad respect. I think that's just super, super cool. Anyway, like I said, Greenberg plays against the A's. Down 1-0, bottom of the seventh. They're four up on the Yanks, 20 to play. Bottom of the seventh inning, Greenberg up. Boom, homers to tie it 1-1. to Now it's the bottom of the ninth. Greenberg steps in again and again. Boom, another home run. Greenberg gets two home runs, a walk-off, and the Tigers win. Now what's he do nine days later? Nine days later, it's Yom Kippur. He doesn't play, right? He doesn't play, and uh, their lead was bigger. Their games... Left in the season against anybody, let alone the Yankees, they had fewer games left in the season. He doesn't play, so he plays Rosh Hashanah, and in that case, he is a Jewish American. He does not play on Yom Kippur. In that moment, Hank Greenberg is is an American Jew. Great quote taken from the long the uh, documentary. About him, Life and Times of Hank Greenberg, that came out several years ago. I'm going to read it. Greenberg said the only way I would ever think that I might have been a hero in those days was the day I walked into Shaarei Tzedek Temple on Yom Kippur. Right? Greenberg was very clear. He was not a hero. He was a ball player, but he carried the hopes and dreams of a lot of people on his shoulders. He continues, the poor rabbi is standing on the podium, davening, which means praying. And suddenly I walk in. Imagine this, right? Super solemn moment. Greenberg, 6'3", 6'4", 210 pounds. He's, he's 24 years old. So he's just like this like specimen. He's one of our people. It's Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year. And he walks in, right? And everyone turns to look at Greenberg and they rise, and they applaud on Yom Kippur. Oh, my God. Kids standing on chairs, everyone craning their heads in Detroit. Hank Greenberg is here. He's not playing on Yom Kippur. We can be loyal Americans and do what we do, and we can be proud, loyal Jews and do what we do. Man, so amazing. So, so amazing. So, As I said before, Greenberg is the AL honorary captain, which means he has a card in the master set. Let me show it to you. There it is. I opted for the 1940 play ball. Looking for a nice clean copy, mid-grade. Got it last year, 2022 at the National. Pretty solid centering. I went for the 40 for a few reads. Number one, I really wanted a, a higher grade. The 41 color can be beautiful, but in the grade I could really afford, they look like they had, had melted faces, right? I wanted something that had some nice clarity. The 34 is iconic, but that's the kind of card I would own if I only had like 10 cards on my PC. You know, maybe the 35 someday, Diamond King, although not cheap. But this is the one for me. 1940 play ball, finishing that swing, just such a clean shot. I actually even like how it's a little sepia toned with age. And yeah. Anyway, that was fun. I appreciate you tuning in for this episode, episode 11, The Hebrew Hammer. We will be back Friday with episode 12 turn to the NL Honorary Captain Willie McCovey. If you like this episode, let me know. Hit a like, leave a comment. That's always special for me. I'll I'll write you back. Um, If you're feeling it, you can subscribe. And really, best of all, if this is something that you're enjoying, tell one person. Until we see each other again, may you enjoy health and long life. So long for now.